This is Lisa Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hockley Media and I am absolutely thrilled and honoured to be joined today by a guest who is all over the water in Canada, I believe, starting his day as I'm coming to the end of my working day. This is David Perry and David actually reached out to me because he's been listening to the podcast which just thrilled me to, I can't even tell you, I'm so proud about it. And when I looked at David's profile, I was like, wow, what's, what experience he's going to share with us today. David is the founder of Perry Martel, which is a search firm. He's partnered companies across the globe. He's also the author of many books and he's written for the likes of Forbes and he's been in Fortune magazine. He's also featured across news channels. And not only that, he's been in the recruitment sector since the 80s. So welcome to our channel today, David. How are you? I'm fabulous. Now you're making me blush. <laughs> well, 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 those, listening, those who are listening rather than watching, he's really not blushing and he's got a very lovely shirt on, which I believe he might have bought in the in the UK when he came over here. Hawes and Curtis. Yeah, I'm, I'm addicted now. There, there should be a 12-step program, but I digress. <laughs> Definitely not. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we've, we've been getting to know each other off camera before I press record for our podcast today. So obviously your career spans a number of decades and you've got a lot of experience to share, which we want to make sure is succinct and valuable to our audience. So you must have seen some stark changes in the recruitment industry since you started to where we are now. What would you say have been the most significant changes in our sector? For well, good you, you, the, the single most significant change since I started in 85, 86 is I don't have to explain anymore what a recruiter is or what a headhunter is because back in the day, the first couple of phone calls, um, I probably spent 20 minutes explaining to the CEO what a recruiter was and why they should hire us. And, and it was just basic, basic stuff. Uh, headhunters weren't known. Um, yeah, so that's that's the, the biggest, biggest change. Uh, you know, the biggest change for the good has been, you know, things like LinkedIn and Zoom info. And, and the reason I say that, and I know a lot of these uh, uh, places like uh, Zoom info and uh, LinkedIn have, uh, have promised to put recruiters out of business. And, you know, that's why they flourish. In reality, what they've really done, and you, you know, and, and are you a soccer fan? I'm a City fan, so okay. and, and I was a Man City fan before they were good. So yeah, I am. So you can still buy soccer cards in, in, in North America. They're baseball cards, but or hockey, hockey cards. What's really cool about um, what's changed over the last years uh, that's so great for us is back in the day, if I needed a construction manager or a VP of sales, I had to literally either go to the library, make friends with the, uh, the head librarian or the research librarian, which I did, by the way, I used to buy chocolates for so many of these people and they're all wonderful. Um, now I can go on the internet and I can pull up data on literally, you know, almost everybody uh, that exists that we want to recruit has a profile somewhere yeah. um, on the internet. Most of them are LinkedIn, but, but, it's, but they're like soccer cards or baseball cards, hockey cards. You know, now if you're putting together a team, you want to hire a VP of sales, VP of marketing, CEO, you can literally go on LinkedIn and it's like picking up a soccer card and you're looking at the back of it going, okay, goals, you know, goals, shots on goals and one-to-one -one shots. So you have their stats, you have their recs right there. So it saves you a ton of time. Now, it doesn't make getting people any easier. In fact, it's probably harder because more people are calling. So, you know, the data is there and the ability to sift through the data and, and make informed decisions before you pick up the phone call or yeah. pick up the phone to call is phenomenal. The hard part now, the thing that's gotten harder 
is it's much more difficult for most to figure out what to say to get someone's attention, you know, and God forbid they have to leave a voicemail message, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, some of the best messages I've ever left probably took me half an hour to think. And I, I remember going after one particular guy. He was the president of Oracle Canada. Okay. And, I, and, I, and I called this guy up and got the voicemail message and left it, nothing. And I phoned him up the next time, a little bit earlier, about 6.30 in the morning, and I got him. Rick Crutchlow was his name. He's the guy that sold the first, uh, carried the first bag in Oracle in Canada. And I said, uh, Mr. Crutchlow, David Perry, listen, I'm just phoning to apologize. And he said, what the, for? I don't even know who the hell you are. And I said, well, that's why I'm calling to apologize. I said, I've had no reason to talk to you, you know, for like 10 years. I said, but I do today, but you don't know me. So that's why I'm phoning to apologize. And he laughed and we started a relationship and I recruited him out of Oracle oh um, into another company. He'd, he'd been there like 10 or 15 years. I can't remember. Great guy, but it's things like that. Or a guy that I, you know, in Hiring Greatness, the, uh, one of the, uh, the books I wrote on recruiting, I phoned this guy up. I, I did a search and I, and I did the search correctly. I um, had a partner and my partner uh, put an ad out on LinkedIn and he put an ad out on Zoom, a couple of different things. He got like eight, 900 resumes. It was a good job. And uh, what I did instead, it was in Milwaukee for a COO job. So what I did instead is I, is I, I found the 10 chairmen of the boards of the 10 biggest um, companies that did what they did in Milwaukee and they're in the, in the area around them. And I phoned them and said, hi, my name is, and I'm doing this search and I wanna know if you were me, who would you hire? And eight out of the 10 guys gave me the same name and they all laughed at me. And I said, why are you laughing? They all laughed at me. And I said, why are you laughing? It's because the guy retired about five months ago. So he's 48 years old, blah, blah, blah. Been in the same company for 25 years, mm -hmm. hit the number, retired, but he's phenomenal. So I called him up one day and I said, hey, uh, Jim, my name's David Perry. And I just got one question for you. And I said, uh, are you tired? Are you tired of, of, of puttering around the house and doing all the things on your honeydew list? Yeah. And, and I won't tell you what he said, because I can't, you have to bleep the whole thing. Okay. But by the okay. time he finished, he said, you know, why the hell are you asking? And I said, well, you know, I got this job and I just thought that, you know, being the fact that you're, you know, less than 50 years old and you finished painting the house and the eight kids have left. I think he had nine. So one of them, one of them was still at home. The eight kids have left and you finished doing everything around the house that your wife's wanted you to do. What are you going to do for like the rest of your life? And, you know, it's like, who the hell are you? Anyway, that started the conversation, right? So the, the challenge now is you can get the data and you can, and you can find these people now is starting the conversation in a meaningful way. And that was meaningful for me because I got them to talk. And, and, and once someone's angry at me, um, it happens a lot. Once someone's angry at me, um, I can engage them in a conversation. Yeah, well, that you've used the key word there. That's what I was going to say when I'm listening to everything you're saying. It's just so engaging and it's a very different, unique approach, isn't it? I'm, I'm chuckling to myself that the first point you make about having to explain, I mean, the, the, most of our audience will be too young to know oh, yeah. where recruitment, you know, it, it, you have to literally say the reason for my call is, and this is what my company does. Whereas now, obviously, recruitment, the recruitment industry is multi-billion pounds in every, or dollars, whichever country you are. So I, I have chuckled. And I think, you know, we have, we've kind of gone full circle that when you started and I started the next decade in the 90s, but it's always been about people. It's always been about engaging with people and being authentic with those people. And it sounds to me like you're, you've allowed your personality and your, your stride in knowing your market and having the, just maybe the audacity to pick up the phone and make those phone calls. 
you know, that's that's what has made you successful in in growing your business and partnering I, with your firm. I, I think it probably has been. I I I I'm not a good salesman. So um, and I can't wax poetic. I, I just can't. So I just get to the point rather quickly. Um, and it tends to make my life a little bit easier. And you know, I, I haven't been hung up on by too many too many times by too many people. My record for um, my record for voicemail messages, my record for phone calls is 51. Wow. Same guy. My record for voicemail messages was 50. I was recruiting a guy from out of Motorola Data. And this guy, you know, after four or five phone calls, just wouldn't pick up the phone, wouldn't return a call. So it got to be a game, right? And call and leave a call and leave a message. Call and leave a message. And um, and and the Wall Street Journal wrote about this. Um, so this has all been documented, um, you know, dozens of times over. But uh, the way I got him, I uh, I finally uh, found out through his wife. I talked to his wife, Mimi. I don't know a dozen times before I ever got to Glenn. <laughs> and she laughed. She said, well, he's heading to Germany, you know, tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, we went back for a couple of weeks. So I hung up. I called the airport in Frankfurt. That's where he was, he was landing. I called the airport in Frankfurt. And this is in the mid 90s and uh, maybe mid to late 90s. And I said my name. Told, I, faked, I, I pretended that I was him. And I asked around to all the different car rental companies until I found the one that had my, reg my car registered and asked if, if, uh, if it had a phone in it because I needed a phone in my car. And they assured me it did. And I said, okay, I need the number to give it to my wife. So I, uh, I waited until he landed. I knew when he was getting in. I waited 45 minutes. I picked up the phone. I said, hey, Glenn, David Perry, you got a minute? And he said, I'm on the Autobahn. And uh, yeah, uh, let me just crank it back to 150 or whatever it was. Because he was, you know, he was crazy, right? You know, Canadians out on the Autobahn for the first time in their life with gas full down. And uh, so we had this conversation. And he finally said, fine, I'll meet your client. Um, but I'll only meet him in Vancouver. So I phoned my client and I said, hey, listen, remember the guy that we were talking about and I really wanted to, to get you to interview? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, well, I finally talked to him and he'll, he'll meet with you. He said, what are you talking about? He said, we're in counter offers with the guy that we've recruited to be the CEO of this company, right? To replace this guy. And I said, yeah, but this is a better, this is a better candidate. And he says, bah. I said, listen, you know, the worst thing that can possibly happen is you're going you're gonna to go, you're going to have the interview, you're going to come back and you're going to yell at me for the next week or two. And you know how much you enjoy that. He said, so go. <laughs> So I said, listen, by now, Marilyn should, as his executive assistant, should be standing in your doorway. He said, yeah, how do you know? I said, well, because she's got your tickets. You're flying to Vancouver. You're meeting him two days from now in Vancouver. Anyway, long story short, he flew. They met. Uh, they had, they broke bread. And uh, he moved to, uh, to Ottawa. And they did an IPO. And it was, it was a successful run. In fact, I placed his wife. Part of the condition for uh, getting him here was to find his wife uh, a job as well. She was a management consultant. It took one phone call. Wow. One phone call. Five minutes, boom, done. Well, I mean, just the way your, gosh, your anecdotes are just incredible. I mean, but what do you expect with somebody that's got 40 ideas? But I think the thing that's really coming out here is that you just have no fear. You just pick up the phone and you make things happen. Make what can possibly happen, right? I'm, I'm going through, but you know, I, so I, I write, I've written a couple of books for job hunters, guerrilla marketing for job hunters, 3.0 is the third one. And I, and, I, and I say to people when I'm speaking or when I'm writing, I said, the worst possible thing that can happen when you call someone, is that they hang up on you. I said, and you just go, and you call them back and say, listen, I just called you and we got hung up. And, and if they hang up again, you do it again. But chances are they're going to laugh because they just realized how you know stupid and ignorant that they were. And you start the conversation. I said, no one's ever been electrified or smited. You know, there's no bolt of lightning coming through your building to whack you. Very true. Um, 
it just, so just get over it and, and get on with it. And, you know, Brian Tracy, I think it was Brian Tracy, it might have been Zig Ziglar, uh, you know, said years ago, um, you know, you got to take 70 no's to get a yes. And, you know, you just, every time someone says no, you just say, thank you very much. And, you know, you're anyway. 69, you got I got make 68 more calls and here we go. So, yeah, yeah, it's not so much fearless as a fear of having to go to work for somebody else. And I probably, that's probably what's driven me the most over the, over the decades. I'm, I'm pretty much unemployable. I can tell you stories, you curl your hair, but, um, you know, I, I tell my kids, uh, my adult children that, you know, you can either, uh, pardon my language, you can either work for a whole or you can be one. Yeah. You know, just decide early. I just decided <laughs> that I wasn't going to work for one. Right. So, you know, yeah, yeah, dad, ha, ha, ha. you definitely don't sound like you are one there. That's for sure. Oh, I absolutely love it. I think you're absolutely, you're really infectious. And I know that you've got a lot of passion for our industry, which is definitely what's uh, made you stand out in your market that's for sure so you've always partnered at a c-suite level clearly your anecdotes um, dictate that so right now as, as we record this in 2021 what do you see as the most significant things that boards are looking for so i'm talking about things like people talking about mental health diversity and inclusion technology what do you think are going to be the big sort of shifts that we're going to need to be mindful of as, as recruiters going forward okay so I just wanted to break away from the chat for 60 seconds to talk to you about an issue a lot of agencies are facing right now and what one company, Hoxo Media, are doing about it. There's a lot of talk about what it takes to be the quote unquote modern recruiter, personal branding, building an online presence, finding new and innovative ways to engage the market, whatever your market is. It's an approach most businesses are fumbling around with at the moment, to be honest. Meanwhile, Hoxo have absolutely nailed it. They are arguably the world's foremost marketing agency dedicated exclusively to the recruitment sector. And they've worked out what recruiters need to do to see tangible success through online activity. They've developed a proven methodology to follow on LinkedIn daily to establish you, you, as the go-to recruiter in your space and drive inbound leads and new business opportunities on a consistent basis. Now they teach it all to you over an eight week course in the Hoxo Academy. I actually completed the Hoxo Academy in the very height of COVID and it completely transformed my business. In fact, it paid for itself by the end of week two. The best place to find out more about Hoxo Media is to check out their website, hoxomedia.com or search for them on LinkedIn and give them a follow. They give away an absolute ton of valuable advice and actionable tips for free. But if and when you're ready to seriously invest in your online brand, give these guys a shout, but make sure to tell them that Leisha from Key Recruitment sent you and just quote the podcast, the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and they'll give you a cheeky discount as well. Not bad, eh? Now, back to the chat. Um, for most of the English-speaking world, the focus for CEOs and boards of directors will be twofold. One, staying in business, and two, figuring out how to stomp China into the dirt. Mm, okay. I wrote Hiring Greatness. Um, it was released in English. It sold about 50,000 copies. My publisher sold the Chinese rights. It sold more than a million copies in the first six months. Wow. Go figure, um, you know, because the, the Chinese, uh, and I have lots of time for Sun Tzu, and I've read all the books, and 
um, you know, the, the Chinese only steal the best and then they repackage it and remarket it. And, I, and I'm not being facetious. They're very smart that way. They're fast followers. So for most companies, most boards of directors, it's how do we stay in business and how do we um, rise above, you know, uh, the, uh, the market space and, and the Chinese companies that are fast company when fast, fast coming. When I first wrote Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters, there were 60, I believe 60 company, Chinese companies in the Fortune 500. Last year, there was 180. Hello. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started writing, um, you know, my ideal car was a Jaguar built in Britain. It's still a Jaguar. It's not built in Britain. Neither is the Land Rover. So a lot of things have changed. Um, some of them for the good, some of them not. Uh, you know, the big thing now is we're entering the fourth industrial revolution. We had, you know, we had, a, we had steam, we had electricity, we had mechanization with computerization. The fourth industrial revolution is now not about bits and bytes and bleeds and feeds. Yeah. And technology. Now the fourth revolution, fourth industrial re revolution is all about knowledge workers and how we get collectively manage knowledge workers. And when I say manage um, and lead, um, I'll put a big L on the lead. It, it, in the past, uh, you know, the, the last three industrial revolutions, it's always it's all been about separating the job from the person, so you could do it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. No, the fourth the fourth industrial revolution is how do, now do I get access to the knowledge in the mind of knowledge workers, right. so that I can continue to innovate. And so now it's all about emotional intelligence, relationship intelligence, corporate intelligence, and and, and putting that team together. You know, uh, uh, Britain's great at this with soccer. You know, uh, America's falling has fallen behind years ago because you know they're they're, they're football fans, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the quarterback and who he throws it to. Okay. <sighs> soccer, hockey, um, uh, other uh, team sports are not like that, and it's and it's managing teams and leading teams that's yeah. going to be the most important thing. Collaboration, isn't it? Definitely, that's very interesting, and I've never had a guest talk about that before. So we will come back and visit and see whether you were, were, were right or not. So you're obviously very passionate about other topics as well. So the um, diversity and inclusion piece, that's something that you wanted to talk about today. So talk to us about where you see sort of diversity and inclusion, both from a, as, as a human being, but also as a partner to C-suite. It's an interesting question. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was having this discussion with one of my uh, kids about a couple months ago and, and they said with one of my daughters and and I have two um, children who um, relate closely to that community and I have extended nieces and nephews who also relate closely to that community it's been an eye-opener for my father um, you know my point being they asked me a question about how I treat you know people in that community and I said I don't understand the question and they said, well, what do you do differently? And I said, nothing. I said, the whole point, and, and I, I said, the whole point about recruiting at any level is you're trying to find the best person for the organization to yes. fit. So it comes down to skills and accomplishments. And when we designed our process, you know, we have this process called the inside out approach. It's on the website. Anybody can go and take a look at it. You can download it. It's free. You can copy it. Um, it's, it's all about the steps that we go through to find the, the best person that, you know, and, and although it starts with a SWOT analysis with the client, 
because most clients don't know what they're looking for. Most clients take the job description of the person that's just left and said, I want one of these. And you go, why? And when you start to ask that question, you ask, ask why five times and all of a sudden they don't know why. And now you're starting to rebuild. Yeah. But my point in this is when we built our process, it was designed to find out what KPIs yeah. someone needed to be measured against to be successful in an organization. And we had to build a process to find those individuals with those skill sets. So our process is quite blinded. Mm -hmm. um, both when we go to recruit, we're looking for these five or six things and we either find these five or six things or we don't. And, and we don't, how do I put this? Um, it, 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 outside of work, it matters not to us uh, who you are or what you do. It's only, do you fit the skill sets? Do you fit the accomplishments? Uh, why or why not? And then the whole conversation that we have with clients is, and, and we have an open process. Our clients understand, here's the list of 90 people that we're approaching. Here are the top 10. Here's why we're approaching them. They understand the skill sets and accomplishments. And when we go to them and say, listen, you know, we've talked to these 10 people. Yeah, they're not looking, but here's why I think we should have another conversation with them or try to bring them in. We talk about the accomplishments. It, it's, as, it's as simple as that. So the whole process is all about the accomplishments and the experience and not so much about who they are as individuals because really companies don't really care about who you are as an individual until they know that you can do the job. And I, I, say, to, I say to candidates all the time, clients care about three things. Can you make me money? Can you save me money? Can you increase my efficiency? Yeah. So if you, if you focus on those things and stay away from everything else, anything else becomes noise. Yeah, no, I understand that. It, and this it, is how we've developed our process. It's, it's, it simplifies what so many people make so complicated, to be honest with you. And I think it's very true. It kind of cuts out all the noise. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and, you know, and I always, we, we, we do a lot of benchmarking. I know you do benchmarking too. We do a lot of benchmarking and we take clients through a, a benchmarking interview and take a candidate that we think is about 90% or 85% and take them through the interview and then take the interview apart and talk to, to the client about what they did well and what they didn't do well. Cause we, we conduct all the interviews. The clients generally sit and listen, but even on zoom, We'll ask all the interview questions. I send them ahead of time. Here's what we're looking for. Here are the questions that we're going to ask. And this is why we're going to ask these questions. And um, the questions are all specifically about accomplishments and experience. And there are none of these, well, tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. Stupid questions, right? That signify that you don't know what you're doing. Does that answer that question? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course it does. Absolutely. I love that. I don't know. Where do you want me to start? Absolutely. So you've you've published I mean, you've mentioned a number of, of different books there that have clearly, you know, they're out there to help people transform and improve themselves. So what's next for you? What's your, what's on the agenda for your writing career? So I have four projects you know, besides being a recruiter. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. Um, but I have four projects. Uh, the first two projects are two new books. Uh, one's called um, Revolutions Need Leaders. And it's on how to recruit industry 4.0 leaders okay. and, and why that's important. And they're, and they're different. It's a different. It's a different lens you need to look through to find the type of people you need to lead those organizations. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm writing um, Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters 4.0. Okay. 
um, Career Combat. That's the name going to be the subtitle. This one, Career Combat, something, something, something. I have a, um, a, a job board that we're releasing for free okay. to um, the entire world. It'll be the world's largest job, world's largest, world's largest free job board for recruiters and for candidates, employers, the whole nine yards. I was one of the originals on LinkedIn. Uh, I think I was the 117,000th person on LinkedIn. I was probably the fifth person on um, Monster Board. And, um, you know, I joined like most people did back in the day because it was a great tool, great technology, and a great story about how we were going to better the world by making jobs more freely available and all the wonderful, you know, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, right? And they all turned out to be fairly disappointing because at one time or another, all of the majors have come around and said, you know, we're in the business, to, you know, the president of Monster Board actually said years ago, we're in the business to stomp recruiters out of business. Well, he missed, he's gone by the way, he missed by a landslide. Um, so I'm putting this job board out there. It's called workinsight.io. There's just a standing page up now. You can register if you want to, it'll be for free. And then I have taken, um, I, I started a, a, a job search boot camp probably 15 years ago. And I took it all over the United States uh, and Canada. And um, uh, we were charging people about $5,000 US to go through the boot camp. We guaranteed them a job. And uh, we ran through 214 people before we had raised enough money because we took we, we we helped them get jobs and then we took the money and we put it online so i now have a new project coming out called mynewjobhunt.com okay. and uh, it's going to literally uh te teach people how to fish um and it's there to teach people how to fish to to you know to get a job and it, to both use recruiters wisely um because let's be honest um anybody listening that's a recruiter knows full well that um, all of their friends love them because they know they can help them uh, give them a hand. So we're not in the business to put recruiters out of business. We're in the business to help educate candidates by and large on how best to work with recruiters. Because when you work with a recruiter, yeah, literally magic happens. You know this. Oh, it's a useful partnership. So will this be, the, will, the, will it be a certain type of person? Will it be um, available to anybody that's looking for a job or is it a certain level of career? A great question, and the answer is everybody. We've uh, we've run the program. Um, we, we did 214 at that at that price point. We did a whole pile more before that. Um, we've probably run 2,500 people through the program wow, on, on on both sides of the pond, in the UK, in Switzerland, in in Egypt, um, in Bolivia, um, in the US and Canada. Uh, and, and actually in Japan. And, um, you know, most people get a job in the first, th in the first three and a half weeks, because the, because the math of job search is simple. So th this may astound you, but anybody listening will, will get this. Um, most job hunters spend 48 minutes a day looking for a job oh, okay. in America. In, in the UK, it's slightly like 45 minutes. And in France, it's a couple minutes more. But here's what happens. The, the average American, the average person in America takes 38 to 40 weeks. So let's call it 40 weeks, 40 weeks to find a job because they're working at it for 48 minutes a day. Wow. Well, they're working at it for 48 minutes a day because they really don't know what to do. Right? Yeah. Be, be yeah. After looking at the job boards, well, what do I do next? Well, I do the honey-do list, right? So what we did is we designed this system so that you do this and this and this, and it's literally fed to you. But if you do the math, if you do 45 minutes a day, 
times five days times 40 weeks, it works out to about 146 hours. That's ridiculous. If you take 140, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an economist by training and a statistician, right? That's okay. my curse. Um, That's, this is why I noticed this stuff. Well, if you, if you divide 146 by a 40-hour work week, uh, it's like three weeks in a bit, right? So if instead of working 45 or 48 minutes a day on job search, you worked a full day, and we have all heard this, right? Yeah, job yeah. search is your full-time job. Well, yeah, I don't know very many people that can get paid a full-time wage for showing yeah. up and doing you know, something for 45 minutes. Not even Richard Branson could do that, right? Yeah, not, back, not even back in the day. So if, if you make the job search a program so that you're fed what you have to do next, 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 you'll land faster. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole deal. That's what okay. this is about. Well, we'll make sure all the links are attached to this episode. I think that's absolutely fascinating. And it sounds like you've just got such a portfolio of opportunity for people that are connected to you, but also both both companies and job seekers as well. I think it's incredible. You've been a very interesting person to have on the podcast, David. Thank you Thank so you. much for getting in touch with me and uh, wishing you a lovely time for the rest of the day in Canada. You're too kind. And I hope you, I hope you have a... Re a I hope you have a prosperous rest of the half year. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much. It's certainly boding better than it was in 2020. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Nice to have met you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, ma'am. Bye for now.